Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonek-Chanko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. This episode features Robert Brewster, the CEO of the Alaska Club, on the topic of New Year trends. We discuss the biggest challenges of 2020 and lessons learned, where the industry is headed as we kick off 2021, bright spots in these challenging times, and much more. Enjoy. What do you feel like were the biggest learning lessons of 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic for the fitness industry as a whole? Boy, it's hard to find a good place to start on that question. But uh, certainly one of the biggest lessons is that you know, people don't value our service the way they should. That, you know, when, you know, the opportunity came, uh, you know, and I've felt this way for quite a long time that, you know, we're in a tough industry in the sense that people are generally uh, putting something aside that they'd rather be doing uh, while they do what they do at our clubs. And it's, you know, uh, as soon as a trade-off, and in some ways, I felt some people, you know, use this as an excuse not to exercise or to continue with their programs. Like, well, there you go. Uh, I do it, but it's just not safe. And, you know, it's been extremely frustrating to see the lack of support we've had from people in the healthcare, particularly public health uh, arena, in spite of overwhelming, in my mind, uh, uh, information and data that clearly showed that we were not a difficult, uh, or excuse me, not an unsafe environment. Uh, but in, um, I, and I think part of that relates to a certain uh, bias against our industry and, uh, you know, not a fair uh, assessment of how important we are uh, to the health and wellness of a lot of people in the community. Something to take from that is that, you know, we have to do a much better job as an industry of, of, of outlining and clearly communicating why we're important, how we have helped people. Uh, you know, it's it, one of the difficult things about valuing our product is that it's so hard to know what didn't happen as a result of what they did here. You know, it's a lot easier to say, we built these products, you can physically see them, people can use them. Really, a lot of what we do is make sure something bad doesn't happen to people. You know, it's kind of like buying insurance. And um, it's always, you know, I'm sure you get to the end of your very expensive insurance go, was that worth it? Did I really need to have that? You know, and so we really need to find a better way of it as an industry to uh, communicate our value and to take a higher, uh, higher level uh, kind of position in the business community so that people value us as essential. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think that um, some of this disdain for the fitness industry came from? Do you think it's just kind of left over from um, images of bodybuilders and like, I I don't really understand where we got to this point where gyms are viewed as dirty and unprofessional. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I do think that, you know, obviously there's some degree of that. I think that, again, we have to go back to the fact that maybe 20 to 25% of the people might use our services in any community. And so it's hard to get the same stature that restaurants do because 
most people use restaurants and there's just a higher degree of uh, negative effect on the community when those services aren't available because, you know, more people are affected. Uh, I think, I also think that there are uh, various images that people have about what we do and how important it is. I think people tend to think more about the person who wants to go in and, and lift for just, you know, uh, bodybuilding. And, and frankly, I don't have, I, I, I'm not saying that in a negative light, but some people carry that in a uh, negative way. And fewer people are looking at it as the, you know, the 70 year old guy who's uh, rehabbing his knee or, or is, is trying to straight, stay strong so they don't get osteoporosis and, uh, you know, or they can continue the activity that, that's keeping them uh, active in their life. And so uh, we have to change that paradigm a little bit and make sure that people are certainly uh, authorities as well as the public understand that we, we serve a lot of purposes in our industry. And the other problem we have is that there isn't any real regulation as to what people can do. There's a you know, broad spectrum of clubs and, and ways in which people operate in the industry. And if uh, you know, there's a disparity in quality uh, that's not being regulated in some way, or at least you, that you can judge that, uh, people come off uh, with an inappropriate impression of, of what's happening in the industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, have, have there been any bright spots over the past nine or 10 months for your gym in particular that you'd like to share? I'm looking around for them right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it is tough to come by uh, real bright spots. I, I think if, if we were maybe to, to change that around a little bit and say, well, what if we, how are we going to be able to improve our product? Uh, that would probably be uh, the bright spot in that I think it's forced us to really evaluate what we're doing, how we're serving people and how we're gonna have to do that better just simply uh, to get back to where we were before, um, that's, that's probably been the bright spot. Uh, one, one thing that we've been focusing on here is being uh, much smarter about our, our expense management. Mm -hmm. And so uh, something that's come from that, I guess it would be a bright spot, is that we know we're going to be able to operate uh, much more efficiently going forward. You know, we've had to uh, seriously evaluate locations and um, the, the labor that goes into that and how we can do that more efficiently, whether we need, you know, certain products that we thought were essential when they went away, nothing negative happened, you know? And so uh, I think that's a bright spot that the industry as a whole, I'm sure will be uh, able to operate in a much uh, smarter uh, expense platform than what they were on before. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of clubs are kind of going back to that bootstrapping or startup mindset, which isn't always fun to have to do, but can lead to a lot of innovation and outside the box thinking. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, one thing that I'm always uh, wary of when I ever something like this happens, you know, we had, you know, 9-11 and the Great Recession and, and, you know, we've had health scares before and you always see this really, I think, detrimental mindset. And I, I'm seeing it in the industry uh, that things will never be the same. Well, history tells us that, you know, to a certain degree, we go back to what we were doing uh, in relatively short order. 
with maybe some minor modifications. You know, not, after 9-11, people said, oh, no one's going to travel again. You know, the industry, you know, people are going to stay close to home. It's all about staying in your house and, and staying safe. Well, we've never had a, uh, as much travel in the history of mankind as we've had over the last decade. Um, and certainly we have the, you know, TSA and things that are uh, remnants of that. But, you know, that, that sort of thing happens. You know, after the Great Recession, people said people will stop spending money. You know, they, they, they won't be able to afford to do this anymore. We're all going to be living a simpler lives. Well, what happened, you know, over the last seven or eight years? And, and so this, this sort of uh, situation goes on and on and on. And, and I think it's very uh, problematic for people in our industry to be scared by those things and to overcompensate uh, in their businesses, which I think will lead to less uh, positive results, certainly from a financial standpoint, uh, if they listen too closely, uh, that everything is going to change. What, you know, what will, I think, be positive from this uh, situation is that, uh, you know, we will we'll tune up our products. We'll be better about being there wherever people are needing to do exercise. Like, you know, one obvious offshoot of this is going to be uh, the, the clubs are going to have a much better connection with their members when they're not at the club. And, and I think that's extremely positive because, you know, most clubs, uh, you know, like to ignore the fact that 50% of their customers don't know what's going on at the club because they're, you know, they're not coming in. And so this will be a way for us to make it more convenient for people to exercise and to participate in their membership. Um, and I think, in, you know, in the long term, uh, we'll have a net positive uh, for the industry, uh, but not standalone. You know, I don't think that there's going to be this huge ongoing uh, migration to uh, home exercise. Um, you know, we're going to see a few percentage points taken off the top, but even if you aggregate all the, the millions of people that are currently doing, uh, you know, Peloton or uh, some of these other products, it, it's a, uh, it's only a few percentage points of the total club membership for the, for the industry. So, uh, I think there's, you know, we need to be thinking how we're going to use an edge strategy and incorporate those sorts of things into making the club experience better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing a lot of articles, mostly from outside the industry, talking about how brick and mortar gyms are going to go away. Um, and I think that the thing that they're really missing is just the importance of um, community and the social aspects that gyms provide. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, humans are social creatures and they really do need a place to, to go to interact with others. Um, is that another reason why you think brick and mortar gyms will never be obsolete? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously that's going to have a piece to it. I mean, with, you know, so many of these events, people start in my mind, weirdly acting like they've never seen, um, video or digital exercise options before. I mean, I'm really old and I, I remember Jane Fonda and Denise Austin and all of these people, uh, you know, the, the buns of steel, all these videos and things that have been available forever and ever and ever. And people did it for a little while and then they got tired of it. But one of the biggest problems, and I realized, you know, they're making some innovations that are improving this scenario. But the reality is, is it's hard to replicate um, the quality of the exercise that you can get in the gym. I mean, nobody's going to have a chest press in their home or, um, you know, some uh, a circuit that is effectively going to help 
Uh, and so there's limits to what can be achieved in your home uh, that people will realize doesn't match the experience they had in the club. And so um, I think, you know, group, group exercise will be changed a little bit potentially because you have uh, the, uh, you know, a, a better ability, particularly things like yoga to do that in your home. Uh, but strength training, which is the bread and butter of, of our industry, uh, is going to be very, very tough to replicate. And, you know, in, in our case where we have multi-purpose facilities and people are swimming and uh, playing basketball and tennis and that sort of thing, you can't do that in your home. I mean, the Wii is nice, but it, it's not the same thing. So uh, yeah. I think we have, um, you know, we have to be careful uh, that we don't believe these present prognostications, which I think aren't, aren't really going to come to the fruition uh, that, you know, that they're making it sound like at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, recognizing that we aren't in a normal environment currently, um, what do you feel will be the biggest trends of 2021 for the fitness industry? Or are they just things that, you know, operators should be thinking about or paying attention to? Well, I think people should be ready. Uh, well, I, I guess just to look at trends, um, obviously digital exercise uh, as a component uh, of a regular membership. I think it's going to be uh, something that grows and you're, you're seeing, you know, exponential number of new entrants into that market. Um, and uh, from what we've seen and we've been working and, and I guess analyzing many providers, um, they're in their infancy, uh, a lot of these uh, groups. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop over time. Uh, I think what we're gonna see in the digital space, which is gonna be different than what we saw before is that people were using uh, digital as mainly a group fitness um, platform, uh, but we're gonna see that become more of a conduit to reach out to members uh, and a way for, to connect people from uh, uh, to the club rather than disconnect them from the club. Uh, so I think that that's uh, an important way in which digital, uh, or people should be looking at digital from a trend standpoint. Um, I think we're gonna see um, innovation in cost control and how people operate their clubs. Uh, uh, I don't, even though I'm positive about the long-term uh, outcome of the club industry, it's going to take a while to bring people back. Uh, my best guess is that um, although the consolidation or the lack of, or, you know, some of the thinning out may uh, overcome this, but largely people shouldn't count on having quite as members, many members come back. Uh, as they had before. And uh, even that's going to, whatever they are going to get back is going to take years rather than just suddenly, you know, two months after the vaccine is, or we get herd immunity that people come running back. I mean, they need to think about, hey, look, um, took me years to layer in members of coming and going to get to the point where they were. Uh, and I think that same phenomenon will transpire uh, because we broke the chain uh, and, and people will, uh, it'll take them some time uh, to bring those people back. Um, so I think cost control and innovation in management of uh, expenses is going to be a big trend. Um, we're probably going to see um, as leases expire and people can change, we're probably gonna see, you know, multi-club chains probably cutting down on the number of locations they have. We, you know, we've seen this with some of the biggest players already uh, in terms of their bankruptcy filings. 
Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to use this as an opportunity or clubs will either do it as leases expire or as, you know, they, they uh, enter bankruptcy court uh, to divest uh, non-performing uh, locations. So I think those will be, you know, some of the biggest things. Um, I think people should, you know, I don't know if you would call it a trend, but I think they should really concentrate on uh, strength training as the core. In a lot of ways, we used to push cardio, uh, but cardio is more easily replicated. And so you're going to see clubs looking for things that are uh, hard to replicate in the home environment uh, to get people back. Yeah, I, I heard from a lot of club operators that when they uh, reopened that their strength areas were the busiest and that that's what people were really craving, but not necessarily the cardio because they could run outside. But yeah, they didn't have access to that same level of equipment that they could get at the gym. Yes, that was without a doubt. I think that's been a very clear pattern throughout the, the country. Uh, a, because you can't replicate it. B, they tend to be pretty devout to what they're doing. Uh, and there's no substitute. So, uh, you know, we saw that fill up much faster uh, than we saw people uh, trailing back to do cardio. The pools have been pretty strong too, by the way, kind of for the same reasons. It's, it's very difficult to replicate that. Your bathtub gets, you know, the laps in there get uh, pretty short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Well, another trend that has um, been growing for obvious reasons is outdoor fitness. And I know that you guys had invested um, in you know some outdoor spaces while you guys were shut down. Um, do you plan on scaling that back eventually? Um, what are your thoughts on outdoor fitness as a trend as a whole? Um, I think it's, it's really cool. You know, the question is, is will, you know, will clubs be able to manage or have the capital to have both indoor and outdoor fitness? I sense that a lot of outdoor fitness has been a function of people taking stuff that they were using inside and using it outside. And as the inside component comes back into, uh, fashion per se, uh, you know, people, that's going to be quite a bit of CapEx for people to expend in order to get that done. Uh, We were fortunate we'd happened to have bought some clubs out uh, just as the pandemic hit. And so we were able to take that old stuff that we didn't really know what we were going to do with it uh, and use it in our outdoor fitness centers. Uh, And we've absolutely plan on continuing doing that. Uh, Now, you know, now that we've, we've expended the, the, uh, the resources to, uh, acquire that equipment. Um, although you can imagine in Alaska, it's a little bit more troubling or, or troublesome to uh, maintain that for more than about five months out of the year. Uh, but I think it's a really nice feature. It was really cool. Some people really liked it. We saw a significant adaptation from our personal training uh, team. They loved going out there and uh, using the equipment for their clients. And I think if, um, you know, if people have bought the tents and uh, they are, you know, they have excess equipment, they're going to continue doing that. Um, if they were using it indoors and now, or excuse me, if it was equipment that they normally use indoors, uh, you're going to see some people pull back on it. But it, it again, I think that's an interesting, important example of how we can improve the club experience for people. Um, you know, 
uh, along, you know, along with digital and outdoor exercise, we've got to we've got to provide uh, a reason for people to come. And I know that around here, people say, ah, I don't want to really come in the summer because it's um, you know it's so nice outside. Well, now we're outside, so you're going to see a, a lot of innovation like that. Or I, I don't know if you would call that innovative, but certainly application of those opportunities. I mean, you're even seeing like adult fitness playgrounds pro- uh, crop up and um, I just think that's another cool thing too, that you didn't really see as much of prior. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the question will be how much uh, bandwidth does some of this stuff have. Uh, but if you can make it easy and you, if it doesn't add to your cost structure significantly, uh, I think you're going to see people continue doing it because the, the clients like it. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, another trend, uh, the pandemic, you know, obviously reconvicted much of the industry to exercise as medicine and the important role that fitness plays in preventative health care. Um, would you agree that that will continue to be a rising trend? I do, but I, I will also say that I think that's going to be uh, a hard road and we're going to have to really dedicate ourselves to making that happen. And if we're going to effectively get to that point, there's going to have to be some uh, work done to uh, standardize what that really means. I mean, we can't just hang out a banner and say, hey, we're, you know, part of the medical chain, because right now they don't, uh, they don't believe that. And we really haven't proven, uh, we don't have the statistics. And, and frankly, you know, there are clubs like ACAC that have done some really nice work in that area uh, with their prep program. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be quite difficult for a lot of clubs uh, to do that. Um, what I'm hoping is that there will be some uh, reasonable uh, standardization and certification process that we can go through uh, and that clubs can adapt, um, that, that we can move forward. But until there's some framework for that, uh, and I know Ursa's working on, uh, on this process, I think it's going to be difficult for us to, to, to break into that. Yeah, definitely. It's a it long road. It's quite expensive for clubs to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I know a lot of people say, hey, we should go out there and make sure they understand we're part of the healthcare continuum. Well, that's, ex- <laughs> that's not easily done. Yes, definitely. But I do think it's critical. And I think that's part of the bias that we had is that, you know, when, when we got shut down, you know, healthcare professionals, uh, public healthcare professionals didn't, didn't think twice about it from a healthcare standpoint. They, I, I don't think they were going, oh, wow, we're making a trade-off here. You know, people aren't, you know, they're, they're, they're getting cut off from their healthcare. Uh, so we, we have a lot of work to do there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we've talked about a lot of great stuff. Um, any additional um, tips or strategies for how clubs can bounce back in this year or begin to um, any new revenue generating opportunities that they might want to consider? Well, one thing that's been very good for us, we, we have a home fitness store. I can tell you that uh, people have been buying home fitness equipment uh, by the truckloads. And so okay. that has been uh, pretty strong, probably pretty tough for people to get on board with that at this point. Um, but we, um, I think the most important thing, obviously right now is to manage your cash. I think we're still months away from any real relief from the fear 
you know, and, and we're looking at our marketing and, you know, I have serious reservations as to whether anybody is listening to any of it. People are going to join are going to join without a whole lot of encouragement at this point, but the ones who aren't going to join because of their concerns about safety uh, are not. And, and, you know, you, we can argue about, well, are we doing enough? Are we convincing people enough? And, and you know, we have uh, a significant amount of uh, discussion about, well, should we push, you know, the fact that we've got, you know, active pure um, sanitation systems or HEPA, in-room HEPA filters or whatever it is. And I think at this point, people have heard that stuff. I don't think they're going to, that's not going to move people too much at, at, until we have a resolution. Uh, one of the best things clubs can do right now is participate in, in any way they can. Uh, and I know this is probably not going to resonate with a lot of clubs who are really not pushing mask mandates or, you know, being slack about that until we get past this pandemic, we're not going to see significant improvement in our, in our bottom line. So we should be thinking about how can we make this as quick a uh, process as we can, you know, whether, you know, it's on the sanitation side or public messaging or encouraging the public to get vaccinated. Uh, those are the things that are going to make a difference uh, for our industry. And it's not, I, I think I, I talked, I've talked to some club operators and I get the sense that they think it's going to be like a switch. At some point, we're just going to get there and everybody's going to feel comfortable. Um, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's going to be uh, a, a, a process, really. Some people are going to get there sooner than other people are. Um, and uh, we, so they need to be continued to manage like this is going to go for a little bit longer than, than you might expect. Um, and then the other thing is be ready with an edge, what I call an edge strategy, um, which is, Continue doing what you're doing because that's, you know, it's going to be almost impossible to completely retool your business in some way uh, or to join the healthcare continuum or whatever anything might happen. But look for ways to take things that are very close to what you're doing and expand on those. Expand on what you're doing rather than thinking about doing something completely new. Because uh, generally, uh, there's been a very low success rate, not just for the health club industry, but certainly businesses in general, uh, to try and change their, their whole business platform uh, and be successful. The successful ones are those that are keep adding things that are pretty close to what they're doing, uh, it's, but it's just kind of incremental innovation. Yeah, great advice. Um, well, I think we've covered a lot of great ground. Is there anything else on your mind that you'd like to share that you think other operators would be interested in? Well, really, I mean, I'm just really proud of, of the industry and the sacrifice so many people have made and, you know, they're, they continue to keep their doors open and that's, that's really hard. One thing I would really recommend uh, for people, and this is something that's resonated uh, with me, is that having a support group is really important. Uh, if I had had to uh, transit this pandemic with just the information that I was able to gather from my own business, that would have been really difficult. Um, it was very helpful for me to have a peer group uh, that I could meet with regularly and exchange information and understand uh, what's happening to them and correlate that with what's happening to me. I mean, didn't necessarily resolve the problem, but it, it helped me know that it wasn't just me or maybe it was 
It's something that I wasn't doing as well as other people. And I was able to adjust to that. Um, and so I think that if, if any time we needed to band together as uh, uh, com- not necessarily competitors, but certainly uh, peers in the industry, uh, it couldn't be a better time for people to reach out and try and uh, work with uh, other clubs uh, to, to understand what's happening in their business and, and also to spot trends quicker so that you can jump on uh, opportunities that might be presenting themselves in other parts of the country or, or certainly uh, at, other, uh, at other clubs. So that would be my advice. Don't, don't go it alone. Uh, reach out. Pe- people are generally going to be very receptive to talking to you uh, about what they're doing. You know, obviously, don't call the guy across the street. He, he may be a little <laughs> reticent to do that. But, um, you know, call your friends uh, or people you've met uh, through URSA or at the, the retreat, you know, the club industry retreats and um, make sure that, you know, you, you band together because that, that'll accelerate things significantly rather than having to come up with your own um, solutions to the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, one thing that continues to wow me about the fitness industry is how willing all the leaders really are to share. It's not something that you see in all industries, uh, but this one, it certainly is there. Yeah. And I, I'm not really sure what to make of that, to be honest with you, <laughs> why that is. Maybe we're not the brightest schools in the shed, but um, the, uh, I agree with you that it is, it's been very uh, positive and, and I've always felt that um, people were very generous with me um, and willing to, to share uh, what they were doing. And uh, I think we hopefully will continue that because frankly, we're in this together and we need to, uh, we, the under, um, I guess the weaknesses in our industry have been exposed by this pandemic. And we're not, no one club's going to solve that problem. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.